0: This is The God Show, a conversation about the human spirit with your host, Pat McMahon. Oh, usually this is a kind of a soft introduction and I get a chance to say welcome and uh, this is who I am and this is who we are on The God Show. But even if this is your first visit with us wherever you are on the planet, please know that this is that rare occasion when a broadcaster like me gets to say a line like this breaking news <laughs> <laughs> and that that chuckle you hear in the background is actually our reporter giving us all the details of the breaking news here in the diocese that is phoenix arizona the archdiocese of santa fe and the bishop relatively new now how long has it been
1: um, well, I've been here for a little over a year now, a year and a few months,
0: yes. And uh, Bishop John Dolan, right, uh, from San Diego. Right. Longtime so California kid. 60 years of my life until this
1: guy named Pope Francis uh, called me up and said, I need you to go to
0: Phoenix. And offered you the wisdom of being in sun's territory and uh, diamondbacks territory and cardinals territory absolutely
1: and and uh, and the coyotes we can't forget oh that. thank you very That's much
0: right. uh, uh all right the breaking news though you <laughs> y- you really do have a big story not just for catholics uh but it's it's an exciting story and i want you to do the details for our audience
1: <laughs> all right pat well uh you know the diocese of uh, Phoenix is the seventh largest diocese in the in the United States so a diocese is a collection of various parishes uh, and over uh, it uh, a bishop will oversee those parishes which are run by different priests and so on and this is the seventh largest diocese in the United States uh, following you know Chicago and New York and uh, some of the major major cities, and Los Angeles certainly being the largest. But um, we're, we um, have been without a seminary uh, that is a formation place for our uh, men considering the possibility of priesthood. Um, so as a result, we, like many dioceses, would send uh, guys to sort of regional seminaries like where oh uh, everywhere to uh, some in some cases other countries so we would send them to the North American College in Rome or uh, where they would study say at the angelicum or uh, some of the other um, major uh, uh, international theologates uh, but uh, uh, our guys for example right now are being sent to Denver to a place called st. John Vianney it's an institutional model. So uh, a lot of uh, these regional seminaries have that institutional uh, model, kind of the older style uh, model, um, which has worked, and I believe, um, up into a point, And I think this is the point where things need to change.
0: And people may say, well, fine, except for the fact that I'm a Baptist or mm-hmm. I'm Jewish mm-hmm. or Uh, I'm uh, one of the Eastern faiths, and and what difference does that make to me? Well, it's breaking news, not just for Catholics, but also Christianity, I think, in general, uh, when you're talking about something as important as the education of future educators. Right. And uh, so uh, this is big news because we're going to have our own seminary here. When? When? Well, it, in
1: some ways it had already started, but without the title seminary, we had a house of formation called Saint, um, well, it was called Nazareth House and it was, a, a repurposed convent, uh, at St. Gregory Parish and, uh, it was basically to hold a, a couple of, a, a number of our guys who were, uh, basically going through, uh, AA programs, um, and, uh, while they were studying just getting some of their basic uh, education out of the way they were also cr- uh, being formed in a house and it was a way for us to kind of see them before we sent them off to a seminary a, a, a traditional seminary so we would have maybe a year or two to look at these guys and they would have a chance to look at us and see how that formation process was working for them before we you know sent them off which is in in one sense pretty costly but on 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 the other hand, it it just proves to be a very, um, it just seems to be a little it seems to be wise because we would then have a a good chance to um, know our guys. It, I don't think it's a good practice just to welcome a guy into the seminary and send them off without really getting to know them
0: this isn't the total topic by the way for the entire hour of the god show because for those of you who are listening in Lisbon, yeah. you may not care a great right. deal we're excited about it of course here and i think that probably uh young catholic men mm. uh in this part of the country anyway uh, are enthused about the choice uh and so before we get off this subject and get into other areas that are i know going to be of interest to people catholic or not uh what is the road to the priesthood, uh, uh, sure. from the standpoint of going to the seminary? Right, it's a form of education. But from the time that, uh, say, one is in high school and and starts thinking about a vocation,
1: right. So uh, in my in my uh, history, my own personal history, I, I entered right after high school, and I attended uh, the University of San Diego, and uh, in a house of formation. So it's a model that I liked and I thought would work here too. But, um, it basically, it was a house where the, the the guys were living together, but they were attending a co-ed uh, environment. They would attend uh, the the um, uh, the chapel uh, services again in a co-ed environment. I thought that was healthy. and um, and then uh, and then after four years of college, then we went off to theology. So that was basically four years of college, four years of theology, and then, then you would become um, a transitional deacon and then become a, a priest. A lot of
0: education.
1: A lot of education, yes. Um, and uh, the, the same is happening today. We tucked in an additional year, which is, uh, they call it a spiritual year, a deep dive spiritual year. Uh, but to that year is where they kind of go off their phones and um, they really look at, what, why are they even doing this? Rather than just checking a box and just trying to move along.
0: So you've been here for about a year, and mm-hmm. all of those other years, in preparation, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've in Southern California. Yes, indeed. Um, tell me about the surprises, if any, that you've had in this past year.
1: Oh, well, um, a number of surprises. Probably the, the the biggest surprise was just the sheer size of the Diocese of, of Phoenix. Uh, San Diego had 8,000 square miles. This has 44,000 square miles. The northernmost parish is in scenic Arizona, which is you have to go out of the state and come around the Grand Canyon and get to this little uh, town. And it's wonderful. It's a joyful town. It's beautiful, actually, when the, especially during winter months. But... Um, it, but it's a lot of driving, puts a lot of miles on the car. Um, and, but I also find that, uh, that the, the, level of hospitality has been just magnificent here. And I guess I'm, I'm happily surprised by that. Um, that in a way that I, I I've always enjoyed San Diego kind of that laid back attitude, but I think the attitude that we bring here in Phoenix is that level of, of hospitality. I think it's just great, but I've been surprised I would say um, at the the enthusiasm that I find in people from uh, within our tradition, but also in the um, in the Jewish tradition I had the the joy of being there um, for one of the m- m- more recent uh, Jewish uh holidays uh, and uh, just interacting so beautifully with the um, the rabbi there um, and then connecting with people of other traditions uh, as well. It's, it's, it's exciting. And it, to me, I think that's a, a beautiful, um, uh, it says something very beautiful about this particular region of Phoenix. Um, that Again, that level of hospitality which crosses all cultures and all religions and all, and all the rest. I find it to be beautiful in this way.
0: As one of the folks <laughs> that you San Diegans, I say you, because there's still a little San Diego left. Uh, In you, I know that. Still a lot. Uh, (laughs) But I'm one of those zonies. Yeah. Uh, And while we have visitors from all over the world uh, coming to Arizona for climate reasons and for entertainment and uh, for just simply the natural beauty that exists here somewhat uniquely, when we go somewhere, more often than not, it's the San Diego area, a great community on the beach, and I'm wondering about the transition before we get into some of the apostolic things right. <laughs> that we're going to be talking about. Uh, the transition that you made from that beautiful breeze that comes in uh, off the Coronado Bridge to August, Hades-like, in Phoenix, Arizona. Has well, it been tough?
1: Well, yeah, so you may recall I was... I was. Um, brought in, uh, I came here on August 2nd, uh, 2022. <laughs> so that's when I was installed. Uh, but you know, in, in truth, the Diocese of San Diego included two counties, which it, it, uh, including um, Imperial County. So I used to enjoy going out to the desert um, and filling in for guys as they were taking off for vacation. And it was just always a wonderful experience for me. Uh, regarding you know the Coronado uh, bridge and all that, one thing I have noticed Pat about the, the when people say that they're going to San Diego uh, for vacation in August, I now ask them what part of Coronado because they all say Coronado they all go to Coronado It's like that island isn't big enough for Arizona, but at any rate, they seem to do that
0: the horse racing people go to del Mar
1: well indeed yes
0: <laughs> when you uh, when you got here. Uh, you were talking about the fact that there were a few surprises, uh, but can you tell me at the end of a year, what changes you would like to see made soon in the Diocese of Phoenix? Uh, well,
1: one is is our seminary system. I, I do really believe that the that bringing the guys back home and having them here. Um, Uh, is going to benefit them, and it's going to benefit us. And
0: that's about to be done.
1: And that's about to be done. So that's a change that I think is important. The other thing is the hard reality that this is true across the board, not only in our our country, but across the, the Christian enterprise, all different denominations within the Christian enterprise, and also in the Jewish and the Muslim communities. They're struggling to keep the attention of young adults. And it's not that many young adults are walking away; it's that they've never even been introduced. Uh, so, two or three generations have passed where they're not even introduced to the Jewish traditions, or the Muslim tradition, or or uh, the Catholic or Protestant traditions. Many of them have never been introduced because their their parents and the parents' parents have not been. So, the numbers have uh, it's and they're walking away from not only that kind of an institution, but also the institution of marriage, even in the civic world, you know, that the, the, the number of marriages has dropped in decline uh, or maybe what we might consider just, just general um, family uh, ways of life. It, everything is changing. And I, I, I totally understand that. So we have to figure out, and I'm very excited about, um, you know, re-examining what is it that our young adults are and youth are, are looking for.
0: Have you come to any conclusion at all? How um, it is that you could ever attract... Now, let's uh-huh. talk about the Catholic Church in particular, yeah. uh-huh. because you go to Mass on virtually any given Sunday in any parish, right. and you see a lot of seniors, and that's just about it. Mm-hmm. So how do you attract... How does any, how does any parish attract young people back to the sacrament? Well,
1: I would say, uh, he, honestly, a, a true recognition about uh, Christ in their life. You know, it, 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 it's got to be a one-on-one. It can't be just a catch-all, just kind of throwing out the net and hoping everybody's going to jump in. Uh, and the bells and whistles kind of you know, concept of bringing people in. I think even the evangelical churches that have been you know, used to that kind of way of life for quite a while now are seeing also a decline. So we have to be intentional uh, and, and just let people know, first of all, from our perspective, that, that God is already with them. And now we just want to unpeel, you know, unwrap how god is already with them rather than saying i've got god you don't and i need to give god to you god's already with them so we just need to celebrate where god is with them in their life as they are
0: then let's talk about another facet of youth that is catholic education in the diocese Mm -hmm.
1: well um so uh, you know our catholic education we we continue to um have our our number of catholic schools i i forget the actual number don't Quote me on this, but I think it's a little over uh, forty. It might be somewhere thirty-five to forty, um, but uh, but and, and that our schools are pretty full uh, or uh, nearing full, um, and we can always do better. And it, I, I think we can grow as well. But that's the numbers. I think uh, also the educational component is is uh, very important for us to. Reexamine. I think uh, there are a couple of uh, ways in which we can continue to educate our students. Um, uh, there's no part one particular way, so we have to be creative there too. And in that, in the Catholic education, we also uh, are, are making. We are really making headway in um, uh, some headways in, in in the area of intercultural uh, and interdenominational and interreligious. Um, uh, conversations and inclusion. We're allowing people, well, we incur, we've always encouraged to some degree people of other traditions to, to come and participate in, in the Catholic uh, education system at, while honoring at the same time their own traditions because we don't try to evangelize while they're there uh, or proselytize in any way. Uh, but but so it, I think we have a pretty good process here in our Catholic education. That's the K through twelve, and then we also have three colleges uh, or universities here that are have, they're all satellites from other places. We have one in uh, Tempe or Mesa uh, that's um, uh, Saint Benedict, uh, the Benedictine University, and then we have. Um, Mary College at ASU, which is St. Mary's University, which comes from Bismarck, and it's satellited here at ASU. And then we have um, uh, the uh, Cre- Creighton University, which is the medical
0: university, and again, another satellite. So, As the father of a Notre Dame kid, uh, yeah. by the way, should yeah. acknowledge that somewhere along the line, we ought to have a Catholic school with a football team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yes, I, I, why not, you know? I'm all in favor. Uh, Talk about visiting the various orders, and and if you will, reach out to the folks who aren't that familiar with the concept of the orders of the Catholic Church. But I know that uh, there's uh, there's a new attitude, new approach that you have. Oh, you mean to the religious orders? Yes, yes,
1: yes. So, well... Uh, Phoenix has always been you know, blessed with various orders. And I think uh, many people uh, think that you know, all priests are in the same. You know? And if, if you're not Catholic, you probably wouldn't get that. But um, within the church, there are what we call diocesan priests. You know? So those guys who are going to be going through our seminary program, they're studying to, for the diocese of Phoenix. So they are diocesan priests or what you might even call secular Catholic priests. And then you have religious orders, and some of whom are directed toward you know, service, rolling up their sleeves and helping the poor. Some are toward education and evangelization. Some are more in that deep-dive spiritual uh, world. So you might say you might have uh, Carmelites or Benedictines who tend to be leaning toward spirituality um, and prayer and all that. And then you would have, say, the Jesuits here that, that run Xavier and Brophy and uh uh, Creighton University these are
0: the educators right?
1: <laughs> well they are some some are <laughs> uh, but they yes yeah, so they and they would be yeah out there in the world of education evangelization and and just uh, justice related issues and so on and then you would have people who are um, focused heavily on um, you know poverty related issues fan uh, Franciscans tend to do a lot of that and uh And the Mother Teresa's orders, you know, they they tend to do a lot of that. So, yeah, they they come in different
0: shapes and sizes and colors and all the rest, and it's quite beautiful. I think probably we'll get mail if you don't acknowledge the fact that there is that Jesuit who also lives at the Vatican. Oh, yeah, what is that (laughs) guy (laughs) saying? But what a shocker that was, even in the church. Not only the fact that we have someone... Uh, after decades and decades and decades of Italian popes, uh, actually we have somebody that does not know how to cook fettuccine, uh, and and has a different menu altogether. Latin American Jesuit. Why right. was that such a surprise? Well, it was a surprise in one sense uh, that he, uh, uh,
1: in that he, he was a Jesuit, that he was he came from a um, a, a particular religious order. Although that isn't a. Complete surprise because we've had history of that. Uh, the other is uh, it was a surprise because it came from uh, America and the first uh, for the first time anyone uh, from the Americas was uh, considered, and and he got the role as Pope. Um, but of course his parents were from Italy, so it is surprising <laughs> that he did not uh, that he doesn't know how to cook up a good pasta. Uh, but he's a very fine uh, he's a very you know, a very fine person, very pastoral. Uh, and and uh, he always puts the pastoral, not ahead of theology, but always on the same plane as theology.
0: He doesn't mind shaking it up a little bit, too, does he? Oh, he does stir the pot, but so did Jesus. Yes, but mm-hmm. Jesus probably was not, we are assuming, or at least I am assuming, that Jesus didn't have the subject of LGBTQ uh, <laughs> folks uh, in Jerusalem or in the general area of Jerusalem. And yet... It does continue to be a part of the dialogue within the church.
1: Uh, well, it sure does, and and I think uh, you know there. there are, we'll just say that there are always going to be sides on on that issue, and one of the one of the sides that uh, there there are people who really struggle with the the idea that you would collectively bring all different people LGBTQ together um but it it's become kind of a um a way to talk about a lot of people who are often marginalized by both society and also in the church and and other traditions and so um it, it does give an expression to a uh, marginalized people who um in truth uh in as you go to anywhere safeway or you go to uh, you know, a park or so uh, they're not marginalized there, but we tend to sometimes marginalize them when it comes to certain other uh, you know other levels of our of our uh, social life, including uh, you know faith and 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 church and so. But on. over
0: the decades, <clears throat> uh, the marginalization narrowed it down to sinners uh, that that those uh, who were engaged society, Uh, were automatically assumed to be uh, among the sinners of the world because of their lifestyle. Yet now a synod is about to take place uh, discussing that subject uh, in great measure. What does that say about this period of time and this pope and this Vatican?
1: Well, so the Synod, which basically means listening and then assessing and then, and then, uh, then eventually creating a plan, an action plan. The Synod uh, is moved, as Pope Francis will continue to, you know, to say and proclaim and, and pound the pulpit as much as he can, the Synod is moved by the Spirit of God. So we have to listen to that, and if we're listening to the Spirit of God, it can't be just on our knees and in our chapel. We need to listen to the Spirit of God in each other, in other people. And so Pope Francis is basically saying we've got to talk to others and allow not just talk to them, but listen to others. And uh, that includes people who are often marginalized. And from that, then we assess where are we going, therefore, as a church, if we're only speaking to the choir, we're never going to get anywhere. And, uh, and because Jesus always challenges, us, you know, it can't, we can't just speak to those who are in the temple, you know, in his day and age. We need to take, talk to the people who are the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the people who are often disenfranchised, the blind, the lame, the lepers.
0: You mean like Jesus, like Jesus did, like Jesus talking did. to all of those people. All of them.
1: Right, it, it can't be just an exclusive uh, group of people within a particular box. And, and, and that c- can create confusion, admittedly, in people because they say, well, no, it's always been this way. But always been that way is never a good theology, theological practice in my mind.
0: That thought <clears throat> comes from the Bishop of the Diocese of Phoenix, John P. Dolan. Having, uh, having honored us with his presence. You're a very popular guy. I don't know about that. Uh, no, no <laughs> I do, because I get a chance to make those observations. <laughs> okay. and, and I hear from people, I hear from the critics of the world, uh, as do you. But uh, when you're in this business, you also often hear people just simply saying, well, when are you going to have this uh, subject on because I can't stand this guy mm-hmm. or I can't stand right. this decision or this political position. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, so far, and I know it's only been a year, uh, you uh, you have had a, a very positive kind of review from not just Christians, but the community itself. Uh, please keep that up, by the way. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> well, let's see what your view is then on what to me seems to be one of the most provocative and controversial issues yet to be resolved, and I say yet to be resolved, since the days of Teddy Roosevelt, and I'm talking about the border issues. Oh, yeah. Is that not a moral issue that churches in general should deal with? Uh, of course. Uh, it, it, the, so
1: our church has always said that um, nations have a right to protect their borders and to define lines and and have, uh, you know, rules and regulations for integration and uh, immigration. Um, all of that is fine. The church would have no problem with that. Uh, and of course, we also celebrate um, tweaking of those laws to make sure that it's always humanitarian, no matter what. Uh, so. Uh, even if the laws are absolutely strict, there has to there have to be humanitarian principles in play. And when we say things about people, those people, those, uh, or not even those people, those criminals crossing our border, those uh, without focusing on the fact that they may be in truth refugees, you know, or, desiring immigration and they are following all the procedures but even refugees will follow the procedures i mean to, to some degree they're coming and then they're going to get automatic uh you know uh, status as a refugee in in trial okay so th- there are legal procedures that we have but we often denigrate human beings and the church is basically saying you cannot do that it, it, it that's there's there's an injustice there just by the words we say, but then in addition to that we from a humanitarian perspective, treat each person, which kind of goes beyond the law, we treat each person with dignity and respect in that we feed them, we clothe them, we you know shelter them wherever we possi- whenever we possibly can we, we do
0: can. or we're supposed to
1: a little bit of both, so at least from the church's perspective we we do. So we have uh, the um, uh, Kino Border initiative, which is on the one side of the border, and then Tucson, the Diocese of Tucson, which uh, probably deals with the immigration and refugee uh, related issues in a greater way than we do in Phoenix. Um, you know they're they're working as well, so practically, you know, how you know, following the procedures of of, of our government, they're still inundated by a number of refugees who are in that refugee status. Uh, 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 they're in the refugee status procedural uh, process. So we, we, they, it's overwhelming at times with them. So I know Catholic Charities works heavily down there. Uh, to try to alleviate the pain that uh, many of the people are uh, st- uh, having to endure and also to help alleviate the pain even of the government, because the government down there, the local government, they're trying their very best to figure out how they can follow all the procedures and, and just take care of those who are actually just crossing the border. Um, and, and in even in a legal uh, manner, you know, so it's, it's a very fascinating reality that we're facing in our church here. In
0: your experience in both communities, both dioceses, is the immigration problem as viewed um, by the Catholic Church different in San Diego? Has it di- been different in San Diego than it is here?
1: Than in Phoenix. Um, I-, I would say so only to, to the degree that we're not— uh, we're not right there on the border in the way that, say, you know, San Diego was, mm-hmm. or the way that Tucson was. But uh, so naturally, there is gonna be a slight difference. And as the the, north, the, the northern states, of, of or another northern diocese uh, to us would probably address that in a different way than, again, Tucson.
0: There's mm-hmm. a couple of issues. Probably if... Um, <laughs> If I had one of the major figures in Washington, D.C., politics on, I would be asking him the same exact questions. Mm -hmm. But because of the fact that you represent Catholicity Mm -hmm. here in this diocese, what is the response of this diocese and your overview of Catholicism and its uh, attitude toward that serious problem of homelessness? Isn't it a moral issue?
1: Well, it is, and so, you know, historically, the church has um, had uh, outreach arms, you know, uh, you know Catholic Charities, uh, St. Vincent de Paul, um, uh, we have a program called Foundation for Senior Living. These are just three of our uh, of, uh, amazing programs that we have here in the Diocese of Phoenix, uh, where we're, we're housing, feeding, clothing, clothing. Uh, and tending to the needs of, of those who are homeless. Um, we're doing what we can. And then, of course, we have uh, programs that help to advocate and basically ask the government, you know, we, we need you also to step up. Now, they have. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that the state of Arizona or, this, or the, the Maricopa County, uh, that they're walking away from this. I, I do believe they're trying their very best. I do believe, too, that we need to kind of get together we need to get more people in the room and talk about this and address it. There's no one single way to address homelessness. There are multiple ways. And are we ever going to alleviate it? I don't know. But I believe that uh, we can do our best to try to uh, um, basically reduce the, the, the level of homelessness. Uh, as much as we possibly can. And that means mental health-related uh, issues, that mean, addressing that. It means um, addressing the drug-related issues that we're dealing with. Um, it, uh, human trafficking, you know, you go up and down certain streets. It's We have quite a pocket of human traffickers here in, in Arizona. It's, Overall, it's,
0: mental health mm-hmm. seems to be one of the high priorities for you, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah, because it hit my family pretty hard. You know, we've had three suicides in the family and uh, uh, three siblings and then a brother-in-law all through suicide. So, uh, yeah, it's it's near and dear to my heart. Um, and uh, we're making good headway from the ministerial point of view, uh, creating uh, pockets of education and also um, collaboration, working with people who are struggling with mental health and letting them know there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just... just it's no different than wearing corrective lenses if you have a, a slight hole in your brain, you know, that reduces blood flow, you know, or neurological issues should be treated in the same way that we treat, say, a broken arm. There's no shame in a broken arm. There's no shame in, in, in a brain that has some struggles. It
0: it's just human. But why and does it, the struggle why does the struggle continue to grow? in the United States, you must have asked yourself because of that close proximity that suicide has had with you and your life and your family
1: uh you know our, our family is a little unique in that we were always i, I would say unique to the discussion uh, in that our our whole family w- you know we were we went to church we went you know we were very closely bonded with our community down you know and on the street we were very heavily involved in life and and good things and prayer and God and the whole of the rest and uh but i we had clearly some neurological disorders mm-hmm. and that's a different reality and we could be triggered obviously in our family by situational issues that might face us you know drugs or whatever and we had a couple of our family members in, in the drug uh, they, they got into drugs you know in the 60s and 70s can and happen even
0: in the Dolan family
1: it sure can but I think today, what are the triggers? So if you are susceptible to, say, depression, or if you're susceptible to high anxiety or levels of um, manic depressive disorder and so on, what are the triggers that can put the people in, in, um, over the edge? And one of them is the, lack, is the, the level of isolation partly through COVID that we discovered, but even before and after that, the isolation that we're seeing with um, social media, where now we're just connected to our phone and disconnected from society, uh, that's uh, really troubling. And that, that alone can act as a trigger. And there are many other triggers.
0: The most troubling thing to me, I think, of, of all uh, that is attached to that uh, unthinkable term and experience, Uh, suicide, is when you hear about counselors talking to 9-year-olds and Mm 10-year-olds, elementary school kids who have had self-destructive thoughts, it may have always been, Mm -hmm. I just didn't know about it. Right.
1: Yeah, I... I, uh, it that's a very good question we it may have always been and we just didn't know about it uh, but now that we're talking about it the, we're eliminating peeling back levels of shame we're able to talk about it and then put a spotlight on it
0: yeah but well, we have certainly asked you in the middle of this program about 84 of the most serious subjects <laughs> expecting you to deal with all of them before the end of the show but, let's lighten things up and find okay. out a little bit more about john P. Dolan. what What is it that you enjoy on a personal basis? Music?
1: I do. i i I, uh, I have a the the Google account and I'll just say, "Hey, Google, play, you know, so that's great. I, uh, I love the... Okay, but, no, but what do what you kind ask of Google to play? Oh. Well, uh, gosh, I, I tend to like jazz music because uh, it's easy to listen to while I'm doing other stuff. So, um, just kind of, you know, bar jazz kind of music. It's kind of fun.
0: <laughs> That'll be a headline probably sometime in the Catholic Sun coming up.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I've ever been to a bar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you just like the music sitting outside.
1: Of course. Uh, theater. Uh Well, you know, surprisingly, I think since COVID, I haven't been to a movie in a while, that kind of theater. Um, And sadly, even though right across the street from the Diocesan Pastoral Center, we have... um, uh, The Herberger. Yeah, the Herberger. Yes, I I
0: haven't been there,
1: and I want to. Um, I I need to step up my game in the cultural
0: world of Phoenix. It's a very, very good theater throughout Throughout the Valley yes, and, uh, and great uh, music centers in Phoenix and Tempe and Scottsdale, I recommend all of them to you. I think I could get you a deal on a ticket. Okay, very good. Um, um, oh, and you mentioned, uh, fortunately for me having to go out of this building and face hockey fans, you mentioned the Coyotes, coyotes at the beginning. Right. Uh, are you a sports fan?
1: I am, uh, but because I've been drinking from a fire hose in the last year and a half, I really haven't had a chance to connect <laughs> with any of our uh, sports figures today. I did go to the Diamondbacks game. Just we had that nice Catholic night there, oh, uh, yeah. which was great. that was, despite the fact that uh, that we couldn't pull out a win, but
0: no, but we're in the playoffs.
1: But we backed our way into it, and anyway. To get to the playoffs is a good way.
0: Yes, and uh, since this program is recorded a couple of days in advance of the first play, uh, then who knows what may possibly be going through Diamondbacks fans' minds of course. right now. It's a great sports town, though. Yes. Uh, and maybe more exciting than you had in San Diego. Uh, well, I we... we <laughs> <laughs> There's a, there's a
1: similarity between the two in that uh, most, uh, most of our fans are coming from other places. So it's, uh, it's, it's hard, I think, uh, for, to keep that sustained uh, vigor for, for sports. Uh, here in Arizona, as I found in San Diego, uh, many people are coming from other places uh, to, to
0: live. Yes, please yeah. note going to a, a Diamondbacks game. When Chicago is in town, when the Cubs are in town, uh, you will find an enormous number of Cubs jerseys. Oh, I I can imagine. As happens with the Cowboys and the Cardinals. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Hold it. We won that one, didn't we? (laughs) Uh, you, uh, You like what you found here so far?
1: Do I like what I found yes, here so yes. far? You, you, came
0: yes. from, you came from a lovely place. No, no uh, negative reference intended toward Fargo. But <laughs> if you're if you're talking about North Dakota, South Dakota, the midst of Montana, and those January winters, uh, well, that's a real transition. Right. Uh, but San Diego has. A wonderful exotic appeal as does phoenix
1: it 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 certainly does yeah both both do and uh they're they're absolutely beautiful the the issue for me is to get out and enjoy the beauty you know it's kind of like the the movie a room with a view or the book a room with a view that first chapter they want that room with a view and then they never look
0: out of <laughs> it you know so are you telling me that the staff is? Driving you into an early grave, is it? That- <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're. Uh, I I just
1: need to get myself out there and just enjoy what what the beauty of, of uh, Phoenix. There's that. Let's talk. Perfect. Let's
0: talk about the, the diocese as compared with uh, some of the other dioceses who are having some major economic problems, economic stability problems, because of lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, talk about that, please. How stable are we here?
1: Uh, we're we're doing we're doing pr- relatively well, I have to say. The 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 diocese of Phoenix, um, we, you know, we're in the plus column, which I think is always a bonus, you know. Um, uh, and other dioceses are going to struggle. Some of them are struggling not because of the lawsuits necessarily, but just because of the year just the the the. The, where they're si- situated, and they're, they're, they might be remote, and so on. Some of
0: them declaring bankruptcy, though, and because then of course yes, of the lawsuits, are. correct, based on the suits against the diocese, yes. uh, as a result of the accusations against the priests, yes. regarding child uh, abuse, child abuse, yes, that has to be. It, it, I, I think as a as a practicing Catholic for generations of Irish people. Uh, it is a horrible reality uh, every single time that there is a headline story about that. But for someone to be in the clergy, it has to be worse.
1: <clears throat> well, particularly since, I mean, in truth, and this is not, uh, this is going to be sounding like I'm distancing myself from this, but uh, in truth, uh, you know, these cases uh, date uh, back to the 80s. Um, and uh, uh, they, uh, they de- before the 80s, I should say. And even though we have worked heavily toward eliminating that and working on child protection uh, uh, processes and so on, when these old cases are coming up, it's disheartening, um, but then also on occasion, on occasion, when some new cases pop up, even when you're doing everything in your power, we're getting all the psychological testing. We're doing all of the things to make sure that everyone is uh, following all the levels of suitability. They're attending all of the necessary courses to pass every year. We have to have that happen. All of the different things that we're putting in front of the priest, and yet still someone might do something that to uh, to um, a member of a, a, young, a young man, a boy, or a girl. And while that's it's just, inexcusable
0: in any organization, in any church, right. it's, let's, it's part- let's acknowledge the fact that it is not just a Catholic problem.
1: True, but it is particularly horrific uh, because people, uh, within our church, because obviously, number one, we're telling people from the pulpit, you can't do these things. And then, so if, if a person is, d- is
0: saying that, and then he is, that, that's horrific. Yeah. When you are uh, talking, as we have, about the Diocese of Phoenix and the Archdiocese of Santa Fe, uh, we fail to recognize the fact that there are folks that are listening right now uh, in uh, some parts of Austria right. who may not necessarily know about archdiocese.
1: Correct, yeah. So the Archdiocese of Santa Fe is, um, it it means, it's its own diocese and then it has what we call suffragan dioceses. What is that Uh, word? A suffragan diocese. So we are uh, associated with it in in a metropolitan way. Uh, So Phoenix is associated with the metropolitan uh, or the Archdiocese of uh, Santa Fe. Uh, but that bishop is different than, than me as a bishop, so he doesn't come in and run my show. He, he doesn't oversee me. He just calls a meeting together with the bishops, uh, but, but in essence, uh, he doesn't really... He installed me uh, because he's the archbishop, but apart from that, uh, he's pretty hands-off, yeah.
0: Does Pope Francis run the show? Does Pope well, he, Francis or any pope actually decide on his own independently that... Um, well, yeah. it's a subject coming yeah. up with the synod. Yeah. Female priests. Uh, he, uh,
1: he would he. I suppose it, you know all things are impossible because it, it, we are a different. Uh, we're different in, uh, in respect to other traditions within the Christian enterprise. In that, um, you know, not only do all heads you know turn to Rome, but and then but Rome also calls the shots. Whereas, say in the Anglican Church. Uh, all heads turn toward Canterbury, but each diocese calls its own shot. So Canterbury will offer suggestions, and 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 uh, and and so on. But it's different, and and uh, so when Pope Francis says something on a universal scale, uh, we're probably going to listen. But on the other hand, um, we do have a, that level of independence. So I am the bishop of this diocese. He can't just come in. Uh, and just say i'm moving this priest from this parish to the next he can 't do that and so uh but uh, to your to your question about I forget what it was you oh, had of, uh, um,
0: female priests.
1: yeah yeah so now that's a that would be a that would be a, a dogmatic uh, a, a doctrinal issue rather um that is little different than tradition, so the question of maybe a female deacon uh it, that's di- that might be different than the, uh, the issue of a female priest. Do we have One,
0: female deacons yet?
1: We had in the past in the tradition of our church. And that's the discussion, that is a discussion uh, within our church about um, what was once a practice, can that be renewed?
0: Female presidential candidates, female members of the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. uh, female... Football players, uh, virtually nothing has been restricted except the priesthood. Um, female rabbis, female, virtually oh, yeah. ev- right. Uh, virtually yeah. every other major faith mm-hmm. has recognized the fact that uh, listen, if we're just dependent on guys, we're going to be in big trouble. <laughs>
1: yeah it, it it that's a very good point I, and i think one of the uh, one of the uh, realities that when when people often say this this is this may come as kind of a surprise but when people say you know if we have more priests that that or if we have female priests that could be a good well that's a good argument and it, 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 there may be some goods to that and that's worth a discussion and worth a a dialogue but when they say um You know, if we have more female priests, then we're going to have growth in our church and so on. But that doesn't necessarily uh, um, translate to other traditions where there are female priests, but still the numbers have declined in those traditions, um, you know, of of, of people attending. So that part of the discussion I don't think is is, is a valid argument that, that, you know, the church is going to grow because of that because it doesn't show in other traditions. In fact, quite the contrary. It's not that having female ministers has uh, 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 escalated the decline in those traditions. It's just that um, that is probably not a a very good argument uh, when we're looking toward, uh,
0: say, female priests. What is the argument in favor of male exclusivity?
1: Well, there, there, there were. I could just point to three. Uh, they're, they're not necessarily. I don't know if they're necessarily in favor, but it's just a matter of what three popes have said. One was uh, Pope uh, Pope uh, 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 Paul the Sixth, basically said, "Well, Christ was uh, Christ didn't just come as a human being. He came as a male, and so uh, there is this iconic uh, expression of of." Christ and His priesthood uh, that that close is closely associated with uh, man. Okay, that's one. The other is um, uh, John Paul's uh, John Paul II's thing was if I could have, if, if Jesus could have, and he certainly could have, because we know he did a lot of other things, uh, he would have. But in for some reason, even though Jesus could have, he didn't. While he did other things he could have and would have in other ways uh in other say um, matters of the church um uh he didn't uh, there the, he had apostles but it, it there's no there's no evidence to that so that was john paul's argument um the the third argument well and then in essence what he said was and therefore I can't that was his ultimate argument if jesus could have he would have, but he didn't, and therefore I can't. And, um, and then basically the other popes since have followed suit, including Francis, on that issue.
0: I want you to know that the next time you visit, and I do hope that you will, that probably we may go into just fun things like an hour about jazz and, and those bars that you didn't hang out in. <laughs> Uh, but but we this is the first bishop that we've had on for a long time, and that's why so many of these issues that are very, very heavy mm-hmm. issues yeah. have to be uh, asked and responded right. to. And I thank you very much for this. We've still got a few minutes, and here's another one that comes out of the Synod, at least as one of the possibilities for mm-hmm. conversation, and that is that which I don't think anybody in my era, anyway, would even have considered, because when we were growing up, you and me, Mm -hmm. in about the same era, the priests that we saw in the movies, it's Bing Crosby, Pat O'Brien, Spencer Tracy, right? Right. And all of them single, and none of them were even uh, thought of within the plot line of the movie as dating anybody. But in the Synod, they're actually discussing the possibility of married clergy, married clergy, and also the rule of chastity for priests in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that a good idea? I mean, and, and, and why would it make any difference in the construct of the Catholic Church? Well,
1: regarding the construct of the Catholic Church, or let's just say some practical uh, realities, you yes. know, if, if you're if you say are married, uh, you're a married clergy. Now we're going to have to up the game on the on on uh, the pay for the priest. So because now you're ta- <laughs> talking about a family that you're also having to help. Oh, us. I love
0: that answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but really, I mean, you're to- but, that's a major major change. Yeah, that would be possible.
1: Well, just just practically speaking that would be a, a very very uh, important reality that we'd have to focus on because tr- truly i mean priests get paid uh just a little bit better than uh, minimum wage you know at the end of the day um uh, now they have a, a place to say they have a, pars- a stay a parsonage you know some of that um, but in truth, uh, if you were now then considering a family, that would be a wholly different thing, and that means people would have to reach in a little deeper, to, to f- because the source of salary is the parish. See, that's a very point.
0: practical response. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. With one and a half minutes left, <laughs> so I know it's gonna be profound. Yeah, absolutely. Just got a call from the Vatican. Okay. Pope Francis said, listen, as long as my friend John Dolan is on here for the first time on The God Show, ask him what he'd like me to do next to change things for the better for the church. Well, I would,
1: I would hope that uh, His Holiness, and I've, I've even asked him this when I had a, a chance at, at, to, to go to what they call the ad limina uh, um, uh, meeting there in Rome. I, I had asked him if he would be able to say more about uh, mental health and um, that he would be able to shed a spotlight on that reality that it's it's not something to be ashamed of. Um, and we need to expose it um, and to let people, uh, shed that light on it and let people know that mental health is, um, is a reality. It is a scientific reality. It's not a emotional reality. It's a scientific reality and if we as a church who have a pontifical academy for science. We have just down in Tucson, we have the pontifical academy to look up at the stars, the, the observatory. We have all of these wonderful opportunities to study science. We need to be about studying uh, the science of neurology and mental health. It just seems to me. And and in some ways, he's already moving in that direction. But I think uh, he and our, you know, and our church uh, can do more.
0: What he called back, Uh, he said, you bet. (laughs) Oh, good, good, thank God. (laughs) Uh, And on The God Show, uh, we deeply appreciate your participation, and uh, what I like best is, you didn't balk at any of these issues that we're talking about, and they're all tough, uh, except for the fact that you seem to be having a good time being the bishop of the diocese. I do, it's always exciting. We'll do it again sometime? Yes, indeed. John P. Dolan, on The God Show, this is Pat McMahon.